0: Good morning, everybody. Good to see you today. Glad you're with us this President's Day weekend. And Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Um, If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to John chapter 17, please. I'm going to start by reading a few other passages as we do that. Hebrews 8, uh, 1 to 2. It says, now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. And I want you to go to the next verse, First Timothy 2, 5 to 6. says, for there is one God, And there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So the Lord says in his word that he is the one and only God. Humans may create all sorts of statues and pictures and images and pray to them as if they were truly alive, but they aren't. Humans may acquire money and fame and power and romance and worship those things, but those things cannot give a person true peace or save his or her soul. God says that only a friendship with him can satisfy us. And so God has provided a priest for us, one true high priest who can bring people to God and give them everlasting friendship with them with him, so that they can be satisfied. And unlike any other human priest, God's true priest, his high priest, ministers on behalf of his people, not merely on Earth where things are visible, but in heaven where things are invisible. And more than that, God's high priest ministers, it says, in the holy places, the places that only God can go. And more than that, God's high priest, it says, is seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The majesty, that's a title for God. I love it. Capital M, the majesty. God's high priest ministers for his people, At God's right hand, because this high priest is one with his majesty. In the name of God's one super exalted high priest who brings people to God is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one mediator, the one priest between God and humanity. And the sacrifice that Jesus offers now and forever in heaven is the sacrifice of his perfect blood which he shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin. And this is not a sacrifice that any human priest could ever offer. This is the sacrifice of God's blood. And only the true high priest, the majesty himself, Jesus Christ could offer his own blood. Only Jesus could voluntarily lay down his life to be the sacrifice sufficient to forgive all human sin. And to give humanity peace with God that lasts forever. Jesus Christ is the one true God, and Jesus Christ is the one high priest. And if you want to be rescued from the death and destruction that you are tasting right now on earth, if you want to be fully and forever loved by God, if you want to be at peace with the one who made you and the one who knows you best and the one to whom you are eternally accountable, then you must look to Jesus for salvation. And you cannot earn your way to God. God says that you must look to him in faith. You must trust in the sacrifice that he has offered on your behalf to redeem your life and to save your soul because you believe that no sacrifice you could ever offer would be sufficient to save you. So turn to God, turn to your high priest, Jesus, and trust in him for salvation. He will forgive you of your guilt, he says. He will save your soul. He will enter you with his Holy Spirit to live now and forever, and he will teach you to follow him. And the reason we talk about the high priest now is because we're finishing our study of John 17, which is often referred to as Jesus's high priestly prayer. It's an incredible prayer that Jesus prayed as God's high priest, his one and only son, just hours before his arrest and trial and crucifixion. And in this prayer, we see the heart of God. We see the heart of our high priest, Jesus. Jesus prays for the glory of God. Jesus prays that his disciples would be saved and that they would be kept close to God, that God would hold them close to him. Jesus prays that his disciples would stay faithful to God's word and that they would stay faithful to God's mission for them as they lived and loved and proclaimed the good news of Jesus in a dark and broken and hostile world. Jesus prays that his followers would be united on earth as he has united them in heaven through his sacrifice. Jesus prays that the same love that is in God himself would fill us. This is the prayer of our high priest, Jesus Christ, the one God who loves us, who laid down his life to save us, and who intercedes for us in heaven right now. So before we read John 17, let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for sending your son to be our high priest and to be our sacrifice so that we do not have to suffer your wrath that we deserve to suffer for our sin. Dear Jesus, we thank you for leaving your heavenly glory and for laying down your life for us so that we could be with you. Thank you for being our high priest who prays for us and intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father with the perfect eternal sacrifice of your blood. Dear Holy Spirit, we thank you for calling us to God, for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth of God's salvation, which is our greatest need today and tomorrow and forever. Thank you for recreating us through faith in your gospel. Thank you for adopting us into your family. Thank you for hiding us in Christ forever. And we pray that through the preaching of your word today, God, that More would believe and that those who do believe would be strengthened in their faith. And so we ask that you would exalt your name today, Lord, that it would be hallowed among us. Please remind us today through your word that our lives are not primarily about us at all. They're all about you and knowing you and your glory. Please protect us from the evil one. We pray this in the name of the one true God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is our ninth sermon in John 17. So, we're gonna read the whole thing so we can see the whole thing in context. that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you, that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of God. In this prayer, Jesus praise a lot for the glory of God. So let's talk about what that is. The glory of God is the jaw-dropping holiness of God, the incredible power of God. It's the righteousness of God, the perfect justice of God, the unbelievable love of God, the beauty of God all on display. The glory of God is is the invisible God displaying himself. And the glory of God reveals the supreme excellency of God. The glory of God testifies to his one and onlyness, his perfect uniqueness, which is unparalleled. Only God can take the breath away of every living thing by simply showing a sliver of his glory to them. And only God can put breath back into us after we beheld His glory so that we could keep on living. In verse 24, Jesus prays to the Father that His disciples would be with Him in a particular place. He says that He wants them there with Him so that they might see His glory that has belonged to Him since before the foundation of the world. See, God displays his glory to us on earth in in small ways sometimes and also in big ways sometimes. But the glory of God that we have beheld so far in our lives is nothing like the glory of Jesus that we will see with him in the future. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean God has not shown us glorious things. Psalm 19, 1 to 3 says, The heavens... Declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. It's talking. It's speaking to us, okay? And night to night reveals knowledge. It's giving us a message. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. So every person on planet Earth, regardless of speech, regardless of people group, regardless of geographical location, if the only thing they've ever seen is the sky, knows that God exists because it displays the glory of the one who made it. That's what God says. So for us, every time you you look over at the Cascades and you see the sunrise over the snow-capped mountain peaks, or every time you're, you're in your garden and a little flower pops up out of the dirt. Every time you see a fish jump or you hear an elk bugle. Every time you look over this way and see the pink sky as the sun sets over the Olympics. Every time at night you look up and see the billions of stars twinkling in the night sky. You see God displaying his glory. Okay. A God does not exist inside of the nature he's made. We should not worship a lake or a tree or a star or a mountain as if it were God. Rather, nature is a display of the glory of God. The purpose of nature is to point us to the reality of our beautiful creator who creates all life and who takes all life, who keeps the earth spinning right now, who keeps humanity living and who holds the universe t- together by the word of his power. Every glimpse of, of God's glory that he shows us on earth is a gift. It's a gift of grace. God's not obligated to reveal his glory to us. But the glory that he will show us in the future that Jesus is describing here, verse 24, The glory that we will see in the future at Jesus' side is bigger and more breathtaking than any display of his glory we've ever seen or heard about or read about so far. It's not a different glory, but it's a much grander glory. This is the same glory that Jesus has right now as he is exalted in heaven this morning as we gather as he sits enthroned at the right hand of the majestic Father on high. This is the same glory that belonged to Jesus just seconds before he embodied himself inside Mary's stomach as a microscopic human embryo. This is the same glory that Jesus had in heaven when David sat on his earthly throne as king over the Israel This is the same glory that Jesus had in heaven when Moses parted the Red Sea. By whose power? By the power of Christ. This is the same glory that Jesus had in heaven when Abraham looked up at that night sky to see the billions of stars, to count all the families of the earth who the Lord promised to bless through him. This is the same glory Jesus is describing in verse 24 that he had in heaven when Noah was inside the ark riding through the wind and the waves. This is the same glory that Jesus had in heaven when Adam and Eve lived together in the Garden of Eden. This is the same glory that Jesus had in heaven when God created animals and plants and mountains and water and light through the power of Jesus. And this is the same glory that Jesus had before the world ever was. Jesus never began and Jesus will never end. That is an essential part of the uniqueness of his glory. From eternity past, God the Father has declared his son Jesus glorious. And Jesus has been shining this unique divine glory forever. And out of the overflow of his grace, God's like a fountain. God desires that you be with him in his heavenly glory forever. So that you can see it. So that you can taste it. So that you can experience his glory without end. If you're a Christian, you have seen the glory of God on earth. You have seen the glory of God in Jesus' teaching and miracles and perfect life. And you've seen his glory in his substitutionary death on the cross and in his glorious resurrection from the dead. You see and taste his glory as a beloved child of God. You see this in your life and you experience it every time you read his word, whether you know it fully or not. But every glimpse God has shown you of his glory and every notion that you and I have of his worth and excellency will be completely eclipsed when he brings you to his side to see his glory in heaven. The glory of Jesus is gonna make us gasp, okay? we talk about fearing the Lord, we're gonna tremble when we see Jesus in his glory. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit is gonna be right there with us telling us, this is yours, Christian. This glory, the glory of Jesus Christ, this is your inheritance because God made you his child. This is why God created you, for this glory, to enjoy his glory and to glorify him Forever. And when that happens in heaven, we're finally going to see, we're finally going to perfectly believe that in God's presence there is fullness of joy, that at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. And the glory of Jesus is going to change us completely, it's going to complete us. We will be glorified, is the word that we read in the New Testament. For the first time ever, we will know perfect joy. We will know it. Perfect joy. We will know perfect peace without any gaps or cracks in the peace. It'll be perfect. We'll know perfect fearlessness because it is Jesus' desire to have you by His side forever. You get that? If you had the desire and if I had the desire, that wouldn't be enough. It's Jesus' desire to have you with him forever. That's what he prays in verse 24. But who's worthy enough for this? Who is worthy enough to experience glory like this? Who is worthy to be with Jesus in heaven? According to Isaiah 6, even the angels who are dazzling and splendid in appearance can't be in the presence of the Lord without covering their own feet and covering uh, their eyes and their their own feet okay they can't walk where he walks they can't even look at him so they're they're not really even looking at the Lord they're just with him and they're shouting his praises and they're just doing his bidding in heaven and on earth and if the angels can't look at God then how in the world can we humans ever hope to go to heaven and look at Jesus in his glory how can we know this is true Christian, you will be at Jesus' side in heaven when you die, and you will behold his glory because he's the one who wants you there. In John 17, 24, Jesus, God the Son, prays, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus wants you there to experience his glory. And the will of Jesus, the desire of Jesus is not any different than the desire of God the Father. Jesus came to earth to say the words that the Father told him to say and to do the works that the Father gave him to do. This is why Jesus says in John 5:19 Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And then Jesus says in John 6:40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, looks on the Son, and believes in him, should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Well, Christian, God has already done great things for you in Christ. But the best is still yet to come. Because it is the desire of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit to have you in heaven forever. And so God made a way to bring us there without overlooking the fact that sinful people cannot live in the presence of a holy God. And so God took away our sin for us by taking it onto himself on the cross and by killing our sin when he was killed. Jesus voluntarily gave his life for you because he has loved you, get this, since before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians chapter one. God died for you because he wants you to know him. And he wants you to be with him where he is. He wants you to have fullness of joy. And he wants you to see him in glory in heaven. And if you agree, well, I won't assume that. I'll ask you that. Do you, you don't answer this out loud, but do you, Agree that perhaps there's a greater glory than everything you can find in this world. Because if you don't, Jesus doesn't have much for you. He says, I came for the sick, not for you who have it all figured out. If the world is enough for you, then you can have the world. He said, but if you want God, I'm here. So if you agree that this world is not the glory that can really satisfy you or save you, and if you turn your allegiance away from it, if you say this world isn't, isn't gonna do it for me here in this life and after this life, and if you turn your allegiance to Jesus, look on Jesus, then he will save you, okay? And if you've never done that, then you need to do that today if God is calling you to do that. You need to talk to Jesus today. You need to pray to him and tell him you believe him. And that you believe he's really God and that you need him to take what he did on the cross and apply it to you to forgive your sins. Trust in Jesus is what Jesus says. He will give you eternal life right here, right now, and the promise of eternal glory with him forever. Do not leave this room today. If you've not responded to the Lord one way or the other. And if you've trusted in Jesus and changed your allegiance from the world to him, then he tells you to declare that through baptism. Okay. I'm taking a course right now on world missions. and It's opened my eyes to the meaning of baptism in a deeper way, especially in foreign cultures. Baptism, if you're a Muslim and you get baptized, you are publicly declaring your allegiance has changed. Your allegiance is to Jesus Christ now. And this is what we do when we get baptized. It shouldn't be any different in America. This is what we do. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ how serious are we about being faithful to Jesus Christ? Persecution for Christians in persecuted countries often starts the moment they get baptized. That's when it starts. That's when they've got someone out for them. Baptism is a declaration that you are not your savior anymore, that this world is not your savior anymore, that false gods and worldly ways of thinking are not your savior anymore. You're declaring Jesus is my savior, okay? If that is what you believe, then Jesus says, be baptized. Not because that saves you, but because you're already saved, if that's what you believe. May the Lord help us to see his glory every day in our lives. We we read Jesus' word, his Bible, to see the glory of the Lord. We, We talk with our kids and our nieces and nephews and grandkids about God so that we can see and savor the glory of God together. We pray to the Lord that he might show us more of his glory. And as you draw near to God, as you ask him to show you his glory, he promises he draws near to you. And he will change you by his glory. He will change you. He will change what you believe and he will change how you live so that it aligns with scripture, which is the revelation of his will. In verse 25, Jesus praised to the Father, Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. And so Jesus here is talking about the unrighteousness of the world or the wrongness of this evil world in which we live. And then he contrasts it with the complete righteousness or the rightness of God the Father, who deserves the worship and obedience of this world that he created. And this is why Jesus prays, O righteous Father, the world that the Father made, that belongs to him, does not know him, does not acknowledge him, actively rebels against him and his word. But Jesus says, but Father, I know you. And these followers that you sent me, they know you too because they believe and trust in me. And Jesus continues to pray in verse 26. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Hebrews 1.3 says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Since Jesus during his life on earth was the perfect embodiment of God in human flesh, that means that Jesus perfectly displayed God to us. Okay? Just by being who he was, Jesus perfectly displayed the character and the name of God. And the things Jesus said and the things that he did, they all manifested God's name and his personhood to the world. Now, it's interesting that even though Jesus had less than 24 hours left when he prayed this prayer, he told God the Father that he would continue to make his name known. He would continue to display the personhood, the glory of God. How would he do that in his last 24 hours? What would those hours look like? Well, Jesus would soon be arrested, taken to court, persecuted, spat upon, violently flogged, unfairly condemned to death, and nailed to a cross where he would suffer and die. So what Jesus is saying that is, is that it was through this suffering... And it was through his death on the cross that Jesus continued to manifest the name of God. See, in those torture-filled final hours of his life, Jesus showed us who God is, who he really is. Jesus showed us who God is really like when he died on the cross for us. And he showed us what lengths God has truly gone to to rescue us from our sins so that we can live with him forever. And even though Satan and his demons thought that they were finally getting rid of God by working in Judas and the trial and crucifying him, on the cross, Jesus was shouting, you cannot get rid of me. You will never win, Satan. I will be exalted. I will be worshiped. I will save my people and my will will be done and I will use you to do it. That's what Jesus says. He is the sovereign God, the high priest on high. And God's will is to save every person who trusts in Jesus. And if you're one of those people who trusts in Jesus, he has work for you to do until you meet him face to face. Let's read verse 26 one more time. Jesus prays, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known so that, or that, the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So Jesus has made God's glorious name and character known through his death and resurrection so that we might have the love of God in us. And Jesus desires that we would have the same love that God the Father has for the for his son, Jesus. So the question then is, what do you think the father's love is like for his only son, Jesus? You think the father loves his son? You think the father loves to exalt and treasure and glorify Jesus? Yes. And this supernatural love that originates in God himself is the exact, the exact same love that Jesus wants to put into his church for us to experience on earth and in eternity. And it brings us back to Jesus' words in John 15 when he said that he is the true vine. And inside himself, he contains true eternal life and true love. And he is the vine and we are the branches. And all the branches that grow off of him are those who trust in him. And the love and life that is in him flows to the branches because we are united to the vine. Jesus hides himself in us and Jesus hides us in him at the same time. That's amazing. (laughs) God's love is in you and Jesus is in you so that you will savor that, enjoy that and also so that you will share him. On earth and in heaven. Throughout the Bible, we read that it has never been God's desire to be seen and worshiped by one people group or one nation. We read in Revelation 7 that when Jesus returns to earth from heaven to bring (coughs) final blessing and final judgment to the world, his church will be composed of people from every tribe and every language who will behold his glory and who will enjoy life with him forever. And God gave the apostle John this vision of the, of the church of Jesus, which he wrote down in Revelation 7, 9 to 12. It says, John writes, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So as Christians, let's rejoice. <laughs> We're going to be part of this. Okay? And as we rejoice, may Jesus' glory send us on mission for him. Okay? It's our job to call in these people groups and tribes and people of all Languages, we are God's plan A. This is the Great Commission. This is our job as the church and our our delight. And so may this vision of the glory of Jesus send us as His ambassadors to our neighbors, and schools, and workplaces, and to the internet, and to the ends of the earth, until every tribe and tongue has heard the good news of Jesus. Jesus loves to bring His children to Himself. If that's what the Master loves we should learn to love that too. Because we on earth have settled for glories far too small. They're fleeting, they're puny. Many of the things we glory in, we have to be ashamed of, and they will send us to the grave. Read the first 10 chapters of Proverbs, men, including me. God created us, To know a greater glory, the glory of God himself in Jesus Christ. Does that make you joyful at all? It does for me. Does the reality of God's glory and his love make you want to share it with the hopeless people around us. Especially those who haven't even heard of Jesus. This is the great commission. This is why we worship the Lord on Sunday. This is why we go to the world the rest of the week. This is why we sacrifice our money. This is why we invest in the church and in the kingdom of God. It's just a stewardship we have for a little while, but it has eternal consequences in people's lives if we invest it for the glory of God's name. We want to share the love and message of Jesus as quickly as possible in as many ways as possible so that as many people as possible might be saved by trusting in Jesus. We want them standing there with us someday. We want our coworkers standing there with us someday. As we behold and enjoy the glory of Jesus together and stay there forever. Get this. Jesus says there will also be an entirely different group of people that will see his glory of the Lord. His glory when he returns. But they will not stay by his side. And they will not enjoy it. They will be terrified of it. They will try to hide. They will say, I wish this mountain would fall down on me because they will realize that the gospel of Jesus is for real. Don't be one of those people today. Don't fool yourself into thinking you can be neutral. (laughs) If you're not for Christ, he says, You're against me. And Christian, if you're not drawing near to Christ in your daily life, you're drifting. You're drifting. And I don't want that for you and God doesn't want that for you. So let's draw near to Christ together. Come back to Jesus today if you're far away. Turn to him in faith. Trust in him. He's the one true God, the great high priest. He reigns in glory at the right hand of the majesty in heaven and he wants you to be there with him to enjoy his glory forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for your desire to show us your glory, to enjoy your glory forever. And even this idea of your glory is so hard for us to even wrap our minds around because we are finite, you are infinite. But we trust in you and we thank you for the ways that you have revealed your glory to us. And it is just amazing to think that for all eternity we will be seeing the glory of you, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world on display for our joy and for your greater glory, God. And I pray, God, that you would fill us as your people with this love that you have for the Son, this this love that's so incredible, God. Fill us as a church. Help us to love one another and help us to have a heart for those around us god that they would see your glory now that they would hear this message of great news that god loves them that jesus died for them so they they can be with him forever thank you god that the, you jesus came to the world to save us not to condemn us we're already condemned thank you for offering us a way out of the condemnation We pray for our loved ones, our neighbors, our workplaces, our schools. Wherever we're at, God, that you would prepare the way for us. That you would open up conversations for us. That you would give us ways to witness for you with our words and also just through living lives of integrity, through modeling what it looks like to live like Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We need your help, Holy Spirit. Please help us to do that as individuals and as a church so that the watching world might believe that you're the son of God. God, we pray for the unreached peoples of our world, God. We ask for you just to multiply efforts. Use our money to reach them. Use our prayers to reach them. Send us, if you're calling us to send us. Use people like the weebies and all sorts of other families and couples and individuals who are taking the gospel where it's never been before and bless them. Thank you, God, that uh, even though the mission is big, all authority in heaven and on earth is yours, that you're sovereign over all of it, that you've made us for a purpose to enjoy you and also to be your ambassadors to this world. Please use us where we're at and help us to be outward-thinking people, others-oriented people as a church and as individuals and as families. We pray this for your glory, amen.